EWIRE is a vibrant network for women in clean energy. I'm Rachel Hayes, Associate Director of Regen and founder of the EWIRE Network, and I'm delighted to be joined in this podcast by Emma Bridge. Emma is Community Energy England's Chief Executive and a prominent figure within the community energy sector. She has over 15 years experience in sustainable development and on-the-ground experience of community energy, as she was previously the General Manager of Sheffield Renewables. I'm delighted to welcome Emma to this EWIRE podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Emma Bridge today. Emma, thank you so much for joining us on this eWire podcast. I've been very excited about interviewing you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me along. I'm looking forward to it. Good. Uh, We were just chatting about the things that people do before they start work in the mornings while swimming and running. And I have to say, I haven't haven't done any of those things today. So... (laughs) No, I'm definitely not one of those five o'clock in the morning people. (laughs) No, no, I'm not a morning person either. Not a morning person. So Emma, I wanted to talk to you. um, So we first met when I interviewed you for the role as CEO of Community Energy England, where you are now. And yeah, I guess starting kind of CEE from scratch and kind of group of people and recruiting for a CEO, we wanted someone very special with a very kind of unique set of skills. And that was definitely you. It was very clear as part of that process. I just wanted to kind of explore that journey with you, like from the beginning, um, kind of ha- how you found kind of taking a CEO role when you were quite young and um, you'd had a kind of variety of roles in the background. So maybe maybe tell me about your kind of roles and kind of what got you to that to that interview to start with, I guess. Uh, gosh, that feels a very long time ago now. <laughs> um I think, well, at university, I studied sociology, and I think my interest has always really been about people and kind of how they work and how society works. Um, and then I left university um, with a slightly naive opinion that I was going to go and change the world and then realised that I didn't quite know how to do that. So that ended up in probably quite a um, usual route for a lot of graduates, a lot of temping, a lot of scratching my head, figuring out what to do. It was everything from HR, PR, um, all sorts of, of different different things. Um, and then I ended up working at Lancashire County Council. Again, a few different roles. Um, and then I got to help on their community strategy, um, writing their environment chapter. And then um, some little kind of spark then in me of interest started to think, okay, so this is really interesting, how much the environment does link to society and, and just kind of bringing those two worlds together. And then, so I moved into sustainable development policy. Um, so again, then bringing the economy into the mix for me was just fascinating how to work on those different aspects and how they can all benefit or kind of have negative impacts on each other. I found really interesting and I quite enjoyed going to speak to kind of like the economy department or the transport department or the health department and trying to convince them about kind of to look outside their own little worlds and why other things are quite important. And that was quite interesting because I was usually about kind of 30 to 40 years younger than everyone else. I was trying to tell what to do, different gender. Um, I think they, they just all thought, who's this kind of crazy, <laughs> crazy young woman coming in trying to tell us what to do? But I kind of thrived off it, actually, and found it really interesting. And then um, the boyfriend I was dating at the time, actually, he was living in Sheffield and I was living in Lancashire. It was a long distance relationship, which suited me at the time. Um, and then he got a brain tumour. 
it's all fine. It's not like a really sad story. Um, but I kind of had to reevaluate things. And at that stage, it kind of threw me into how serious is this relationship? What role should I be taking? So I actually took the risk of just taking a nine month job at Rotherham Council so I could go and look after him for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really when I got involved in climate change and local action 21 as a role. Um, on the personal journey, he got better. Our relationship didn't last, but uh, it wasn't that wasn't a bad situation. But it just it, it turned out really well for both of us in a way. So I kind of experienced the city of Sheffield, which I love, um, and then this whole other kind of way of working. So I was so lucky. I had one minute I was planting trees with my Wellington boots on. The next time I was doing something around social policy and kind of health policy and. And it was back in the glory days when local authorities had money and teams working on green issues and stuff. So I just absolutely loved it, having kind of this budget to do things with and so on. Um, And then the tide turned, local authority cuts came. I realized that I was fed up of telling other people how to do stuff. I wanted to take action myself. So um, I kind of did a bit of backpacking for a month around Vietnam and Cambodia, figuring stuff out, did a bit of freelance work, hated it, absolutely hated it. yeah, not for me freelance. It's just too stressful working completely on your own, never knowing when the next job was coming in. Um, and then a part-time role came up at uh, Sheffield Renewables and introduced me to a lot of community energy. And then I was kind of hooked, really. I thought it, this would be quite an easy, nice, impactful job to do, specialising. Um, I didn't realise how broad and stressful community energy can be, but um, I just loved it. And then, yeah, three years later, community energy role came up and then I was sat at a desk opposite being interviewed by you. And... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't scary at all. No, it wasn't. No, you were great, actually. It was, it was really it was really interesting mix because I think I remember there were two men on the panel and yourself and three very, very different styles of interviewing. And I do remember you being kind of very welcoming and encouraging and put me at my ease. And I think that's yeah. why I was there, the woman on the panel. <laughs> that that was my role but um so what so what kind of led you to to go from Shefford Renewables where you're kind of working as part of a team to thinking you could kind of yeah be a CEO taking on you know it's a very kind of organization completely in its infancy that you had the opportunity to shape and we'll, we'll come on to what great job you've done of that but um what was it that was kind of attractive to you I think it was both kind of a push and a pull situation in that um, Chef Renewables at the time, um, we were struggling to bring in kind of long term funding strategy because a couple of the projects, um, we'd done a couple of projects, but not enough really to kind of have that, that, that income for a paid member of staff. So it was always on a month by month basis. So I was aware that the extra strain was being put on Shepherd Renewables by having to pay me. So, um, I, so that was the reason for me to start looking elsewhere. And then I think the thing that appealed to me for Community Energy England was exactly what you said. I mean, it was a new organization. It was a chance to kind of shape something. Community Energy was just taking off at that stage. It was a really exciting time in the sector. Um, and then I felt like it was almost taking me back to what some of my the things I really enjoyed before in terms of kind of that collaboration and partnerships and bringing people together and convincing people why community energy income was important. Um, just just felt really exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, um, it's it's definitely been a good opportunity. You mentioned there actually in the beginning, community energy was really taking off, and I think it was it was a bit of shared ownership and there was kind of 
really strong commitment from government on on community energy and the fits were great and then I think not long after you started it's like someone whipped the rug out from under the certainty in the sector and and yeah how did that feel how was that oh I was wondering what on earth I'd done (laughs) (laughs) I think I think I'd only had kind of a couple of months part-time and then three months full-time before the fits changes came in tax relief changes were tax relief was taken away from us all these other things happened um and yeah, it was, it was actually a really challenging year because I just, I wasn't doing anything of the role that I was taken on to do because it was all about firefighting. It was all about dealing with kind of these issues and, and just the pressure of it was immense. I kind of felt this pressure for me personally to save the whole community energy sector and to kind of, I didn't have, I didn't feel at that stage I had the full expertise for doing it properly. You know, I didn't have a proper office. I was working on a desk um, in a very small spare bedroom. Some days not really talking to anyone all day, kind of cry, crying at my desk thinking, how do I fix this? And um, so, yeah, it was it, it was very stressful. But I think that's where the beauty of community energy comes in, that people kind of rallied around at that stage. So, um, yeah, so it almost became part of a family. I think that that kind of whole time and that whole process um, of everyone really pulling together and figuring out kind of where we go next. But I think that really set the scene for two or three years of firefighting. So I've, I do feel it's only in the last probably two years that we've really started to grow as an organisation. I think um, that that kind of everyone pulling together definitely built the kind of foundations for a really strong organisation that a lot of the members are really vested in its success. So although it was a very painful time, I think you've definitely got some kind of strong relationships and allies as, as part of that process. Oh, I'm so lucky. I know that if I reach out and say, look, this is an issue we can't do on our own, we need you. The, mm-hmm. the, I know there's always people that will kind of pick up the phone or stop what they're doing to kind of help out. It's, it's, it's really nice. Good. Um, so, Emma, one of the things I've really enjoyed kind of watching as you've kind of flourished in a role of CEO is you finding your voice and your style. Um, so you've become a really strong presenter and chair on stage and you've kind of built the organisation in your way. Can you talk to me a bit about kind of that journey for you? Because I know sometimes it wasn't necessarily the easiest in the beginning. No. Um, I think you taught really that leadership should be a certain way and there's certain role models that you should look at. And I was looking very much to kind of emulate in the style of mainly men, but also some women who've been in their post for a long time. They had kind of a very established large organization or from a corporate perspective. And I just, it, I just, whenever I was trying to do things, I just felt awkward and inauthentic and it, it just, just didn't feel right. So it took a while, but then I kind of one day I thought, I'm just going to stand up and be me and let's, let's see what happens. Let's see how people react. Um, and actually it, it, it works so much better. It kind of really opened up that dialogue as part of kind of questions after my presentation and that sort of thing. And I think if that's one tip that I can give anyone starting out in the career, it's just embrace your own style and your own strengths. And by that mean, I, I don't mean you shouldn't look to others for inspiration or strive to improve, but I think you need to do that with a certain self-compassion and a self-recognition. And, and, you know, it's not just about where you want to go, it's how you want to get there. What are your values as part of that process? How did you, I know you've done this, you've sat down and you've worked out what your values are. How did you do that? Sit there with a blank sheet of paper going, oh. Yeah, so I did it quite, I first did it quite a few years ago and then um, I lost them somewhere and I really wished I could remember what they were and look back and see 
kind of whether they've changed or if they're quite similar. But um, I did it again quite recently. And it's just literally, and anyone who is interested in doing this, it's a very easy exercise and I can send a list. But it's just kind of a list of, I think, about 50, maybe more words, anything from like compassion, purpose, bravery, uh, curiosity, things like that. And you go through and you just highlight which ones appeal to you, which ones you think kind of, you know, just really excite you and invoke kind of that, that sort of reaction in you. And then you try really hard to, to narrow it down to, to your top five. Um, and then I actually have them on a post-it note now so that every day I do look at them and I just think as my day's going, you know, am I living by my values? And, and I think it's not just useful for an individual, but I think it's also useful as a team. Mm-hmm. It really, really, you really learn something about other people when you kind of know what their values are and, you know, how to bring the best out of them and how to react to them and what motivates them. Do you find the change in a kind of periods of time? I think there's core ones that probably stay fairly similar. I mean, I think over the long term, they probably will change. But um, I think there's probably, yeah, a few that will come in and out depending on kind of stress levels or time, stage of your life or different things like that. But yeah, yeah I think there's always two or three that kind of stay there as a core. Cool. And, and it's kind of building your team. You've very much attracted people that are all quite arty or kind of quite creative I guess maybe more creative and is, is that an intentional style you've built up with the organization you've got yeah great team and they're already kind of fun and good to engage with and creative um I don't know if it was intentional for me to build a creative team but I think it was it definitely was intentional to bring in people with different insights with different skill sets with different outlooks I think it's really important that you don't create an organization that's just a replica of yourself and kind of you can get stuck in your own little bubble um when I was at university that was one of the things that a lecturer stuck with me that don't ever just read the same newspaper always kind of look at different newspapers so you understand what other people's perspectives are and I think that's really important in the team um having said that I think there are you know we have to be kind of purpose driven. It's a purpose driven organization. So that you have to be very clear with people coming into the organization, what is they're coming into so that you know that they will enjoy it and that that, that will be part of the process. Um, but I think, yeah, kind of those qualities, you really do have to think about the different personality types, different skills when you are recruiting. Um, and then I don't know, the team might say something different if you speak to them. But I think it's really nice that the pandemic, the lockdown has been difficult because we've all been working remotely since end of March. So it, we do miss that just camaraderie, that banter and so on that we have. Um, when Even when going through bad times it does again feel a little bit like a family and I think you know it's really important that we're able to challenge each other as well as support each other and and yeah I do I do very much miss that at the moment um we try very hard through kind of virtual coffees and things like that but it's just not the same so I'm very much looking forward to when we're going back in the office yeah do you take that obviously I know that you've been focused very much on kind of well-being and looking after the team and you're kind of in a role as CEO do you take that kind of responsibility on personally like to look after everyone yeah I think so um and I think my personality type as well uh which has caused a few issues is that I feel quite responsible for a lot of people so it's not just a team I felt really responsible for members I mean kind of particularly through the last year we're getting phone calls with people who are struggling and you know people working in community energy they're motivated by climate change by transforming places and and so on and that puts a lot of pressure on us all as individuals and as a collective um you know I've seen a lot of people feeling tired and overwhelmed and 
And I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I just tried to be there for everyone and to kind of fix everyone else's problems. And then you just, you can't do that as, you know, I think you kind of more have to lead from the fact that you need to take time out. You know, you need to put your own, the thing that they say on aeroplanes, you need to put your own face mask on so that you can kind of help other people. And I just think, I think that's so important. Um, I think we're not going to be able to work together effectively if we're all separately stressed and burnt out. Um, I just think that that w- well-being is just absolutely core to, mm. to everything, I think. And, and what kind of things have worked across the team, like, for, and, and for you? What, what things are you doing that are helping? It's still a learning process. I think, you know, we all have weeks where things are great and then the next week it's all a bit, it's, it's hard. I think not least when, you know, you're affected by all the other things going on. So, you know, last year we've had the fires in Australia. We've had Black Lives Matters, which personally really kind of, well, impacted on all of our team, really kind of mm-hmm. made me reassess that how to really be a more vocal advocate around anti-racism and so on. But, I think it's as well just sometimes thinking, just be brave, do what you can, but also have that with self-compassion. So don't feel like you've got to do everything perfectly. So if you look at what other people are doing, it's like they're running marathons or they're getting up at five o'clock in the morning to do something. And, you know, if that's not your style, don't do that. Hmm. It can be just as powerful at, say, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, go and do 10 minutes of yoga. You know, go and do, if if you're not sure that you feel strong enough mentally or physically to go out for a walk just do 10 minutes you know it's that kind of just do doing little bits I think helps just as much as kind of trying to do a complete radical overhaul um, yeah. as part of your life I know I'm trying to do my 10,000 steps each day and I keep get I get to about seven it's like some some lunch times I can get to like I've only done 800 steps by lunchtime or something and I'm like how did this happen <laughs> like the most sedentary job for like just sitting at your desk but yes I've been getting out for walks most days yeah no that's really important and also just you know really little things like try not to do everything as video calls so just occasionally if it's a one-on-one do it on a phone call I I think better when I'm kind of walking around so I'll do a phone call and I'll just wander around the house whilst I'm talking to someone and I think you know things like that help as well start doing that start doing these podcasts walking around the house Um, so Emma you talk you touched a bit there on um, Black Lives Matter and diversity and obviously that's kind of one of the driving forces I guess behind eWire and setting setting up this network doing these podcasts kind of bringing people together um, but that kind of that broader diversity um, I guess I know you've taken you know you've done a lot of work on this and thought about it a lot if you what's what can you kind of apply to the community energy sector and I guess some of the challenges that the sector faces in terms of you know being white middle class people who can afford to invest in community energy how we can like how can we kind of remove that stigma from community energy because it's not all like that no no definitely not uh, we did a survey a couple of years ago on diversity levels and I can't remember the figures but it was all under five percent in terms of lgbtq plus um neurodiversity um, um bme it was I think the only fairly positive figure was the gender balance. So um, there was, I think, nearly 40% women in the sector. Um, But even that was lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was much higher. Um, So there's a lot of challenge. And I think think we shouldn't apologise for being who we are. I think, you know, if there is a lot of people in the sector who retired and have that skills base and that passion and so on. That's really important. Um, but we should be using that to spread that skills and knowledge outside of our usual circles. So, um, 
there's some really, really good examples, um, kind of a community energy working in mosques and different faith groups and youth groups. And, and I think it's about telling that story. It's about, um, it's about just looking at how we can be re- representative of the sectors that we are serving, how we can be more open, how we can be more kind of welcoming, um, just removing the barriers so that, you know, thinking ahead and being proactive about how we remove those barriers so it's easier for people to reach out as well as how we communicate, where we communicate and, and so on. Um, and, you know, it's it's difficult, um, but it's a challenge that we all all have to take responsibility for. I mean, climate injustice, racial injustice, Every, it's all so so interlinked mm. that we need to we need to tackle it all together I did a course actually earlier this year or no last end of last year called how to talk about race at work and it was a seven-week course and it was just it was it was so good it was with other white chief executives from across the social sector um and it was people I don't normally come across you know kind of people who are doing like really kind of really tough jobs on kind of the front line you know life and death type stuff and just having that 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 frame to really sit and challenge yourself challenge kind of what you're doing and and you know and being curious I think that's the key thing you just go into everything with a sense of curiosity and kind of looking at how you can empower and having the bravery to just stick your stick your head out you're gonna you're gonna make some mistakes but I think as long as you're kind of always learning then we're going to improve I think that also the power we've been talking this week um in separate meetings about kind of engaging the community sector in the run-up to cop and, and what that looks like but I think the the heat there's huge power in the community energy sector engaging with their broader communities and and all those communities look so different across the country whether they're kind of rural or urban um and yeah I think there's this huge amounts of kind of reach and engagement um around energy issues and around social justice um, yeah absolutely I feel that community energy you know is going to be essential to all of this I think I've heard you say it's kind of that gateway to that community action to that community engagement I mean the climate change committee themselves say that I think it's around 60 percent of their recommendations for reaching net zero involve behavior change so people are essential to that journey and community energy is just there it's ready it's a trusted intermediary it's it's um just needs that little bit of extra support to to grow that little bit further and we can have such a huge impact in terms of bringing more people into the into the transition as well as you know just that extra extra impact that comes from community-led projects it's not just about the energy it's about kind of how that affects people how it affects communities you know what other impacts can come from it does it fit properly with what that community is it's just really powerful I think. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite exciting when you think about how energy can then transform the kind of places and people and what that looks like, I think. Have you got any kind of good examples of things that you've seen happen over the kind of COVID period? Where I know there's a lot of communities that have kind of pulled together and done some exciting, exciting work. I heard um, I interviewed Afshin a couple of weeks ago and she talked about what they'd been doing. Yeah, Afshin. Um I love Ashley, our chair of CE. She's a powerhouse herself. I don't know how she manages to find the time to do everything that she does. Um, the, what they're doing at repowering is just truly inspiring. Um, in terms of, we talk a lot about whole energy systems, but for me, it's whole place systems. So what, I mean, I won't go into too much detail because if Ashley would have already spoken about it, but for them, it was about bringing together kind of some of the exciting technology side of things around peer to peer and things like that, but also around apprenticeships, about skills programs, about bringing all that together. 
And there's examples of that around the country. So I was just so proud of how quickly our members reacted after COVID in terms of looking at how they can repurpose their community benefit funds to food banks to, mm. you know, that's the beauty of those groups being embedded within their community. They knew mm. where things were needed most. So they were, they were agile and flexible and able to respond to those. Um, and yeah, we've got kind of a few stories about it on our website and it's just, it's, yeah, just really. I think I probably used that word a little bit too much over this last little bit of chat, but just really inspiring, really kind of just being able to how you can use energy to change people's lives is just so interesting. Definitely. Um, so Emma, the other, the other thing you've done kind of separate topic, quite a lot of work on is around the kind of development and governance of the organisation, the, the structure of the board, the kind of we've had some great strategy sessions like that's something you've t- taken kind of really seriously to get the board to work for you in a way that's constructive so and I, and I guess that's a kind of model that you're like I guess one of the reasons is to kind of across the community energy sector to kind of upskill the sector as much as CE as an organization like what kind of things have you found that have worked really well across the board to, to kind of get to that more grown-up place I guess it's a slightly slow process for me just in terms of making developing my own confidence in doing this as well so obviously it's quite a unique position coming into a brand new organization first member of staff but with a board that came together quite passionately very strong personalities to set up this organization this Mm -hmm. new kind of voice of community energy movement um so it took me a while to kind of tackle that almost kind of imposter syndrome in that I felt that they knew more than me. They were specialists and so on. But I think looking at other organisations and, you know, and speaking to our board members as well, I think the most important thing is to kind of become a bit of a team. So obviously the board's there to challenge me. So it's not like we just all agree with each other, but we have to be able to work as a team and understand other people's perspectives. So things like doing a skills audit to see where everyone's um, expertise is. I think understanding that people are busy so giving people enough time to feed into things, I think that's the one thing about um, our board is fantastic, but everyone is very, very busy. So kind of how how do you make things as easy as possible for them? And I'm very against too much bureaucracy where it's not needed, but I think you do need a certain amount. So getting those policies in place, kind of having having just time for a bit of a chat outside of meetings, um, having an annual kind of away day to talk about the strategy so that all the board are built into it. Um, but I think the key thing is I didn't do it on my own. You know, my team have worked really hard on this. It's them that have done most of the work around it. Um, I think, you know, I even created a whole kind of new post to just look at this area because it is just mm-hmm. so important. I think sometimes we can get too passionately involved in kind of the day-to-day stuff without really thinking about you need to get your house in order and able to do a good job elsewhere so it sounds very boring and a lot of people are kind of rolling their eyes but I think good governance is just essential to to being able to make an impact. It's, it's, it's an interesting topic though because quite a lot of people in the EY network want to get on boards and or and want to know kind of how they can add value and CE was my first board that I sat on and so for me I felt like the baby board member from the beginning and and had the same kind of feeling that you did I guess sat around the table everyone has more experience than me everyone knows what they're doing um and I came from it with kind of comms membership events background not with kind of core understanding of the community energy sector so I was bringing a very different skill set 
whereas you know some of the other board members completely knew the sector inside and out and were running their own projects on a regular basis um so I think that you yeah I think it's it's useful to understand the other side so from the chief exec's perspective what do they really need from their board and and what makes a good board member I think is really useful um to to help those in the network that are kind of thinking of applying so although good governance might be an eye rolling <laughs> dry subject I do think it is it does it is quite helpful to know to know where where is useful I think if you're if you haven't sat in a board before and you're looking to I think think hard about the type of organization that you want to help first off so kind of look if if there are vacancies out there or you're looking at you're trying to decide what type before there are so many different ones you know like in our sector community benefit society and cooperatives are quite different to a corporate board are quite different to Mm. um you know regional advisory board and and there are lots of different types um but i think really it comes down to first of all building upon what your skills are so the fact you know you were saying you didn't have community energy expertise i think that added more value huge amount of value at the beginning because you had a different perspective so you kind of came if you didn't know the answer you would ask the questions and then that would make us all think like oh actually I don't know are we doing that in the right way are we thinking about it in the right way so you don't have to be an expert to be on a board you can always bring a different perspective you can always kind of just ask that question um I think is really really valuable um I think be honest have a chat about it you know don't make yourself out to be something you're not because you just won't enjoy the process but then also don't be afraid to challenge yourself you know no one no one improves without kind of that little bit of stretch um and there's opportunities as well kind of observe you you know a lot of boards will be quite open to you just going along and observing a meeting how meeting goes um and yeah I think I think that's probably the key things I think think about what your skills are think about what you want to bring to it and then kind of match match it to that as I would say the other thing is when it's your first time don't underestimate the amount of time involved I think we can have a bit too much pressure on ourselves to say yes to everything and to do everything and I think sometimes it's pick kind of pick where you want to have the impact what you want to do and you know it's that self-compassion give yourself time to learn to kind of evolve into that role to kind of figure out what you need from it as well as what you can give um, rather than trying to kind of sit on as many boards as you possibly can in the first year of your career which will just lead to overwhelming burnout I think yeah you touched on something there quite interesting so I know you you have a kind of saying about not being superhuman and mm. not taking on too much do you want to tell me about where that came from yeah I think personal experience I think when I first started Community England oh, I just remember running from meeting to meeting and living on trains and you know a lost track of the amount of hours I was working and I felt like I had to do that because I felt everyone else was doing that and and I just wasn't doing anything effectively I wasn't having time to prepare for meetings I wasn't having time to kind of take a step back and really think and I think I'm not saying don't work hard I'm just saying just don't un- underestimate the value of just having time to take a step back and think mm-hmm. I mean some of my kind of best ideas or kind of the way to overcome problems and stuff is just coming from kind of yeah going for a bit of a walk or just taking 10 minutes away from my desk you know just doing kind of a bit of kind of 10 minutes of yoga or something like that um can be just as effective for me as having 
10 hours sat at a desk kind of back to back meetings and so on and I think as well thinking about the strength of how you work when is it best for you to work for me I always try and block out the first two hours of day and I seem to get more done then than I will for the rest of the day so that's about me me really thinking about what should I be doing where will I have most impact and making sure that that is the focus and then after that I'll turn my work phone on I'll check my emails and things like that and then because you do have to be flexible and reactive but it's just carving out of some part of the day for you to do either the hardest project or where you get personal development or where you think you'll be having most impact yeah I definitely I know that my best time of day is uh, like half four to like half six which is quite it's quite rare most a lot of people say that in the mornings and uh, that's like prime feed feed the child witching hour <laughs> before bed that time is now stolen for me for for the foreseeable future <laughs> but um yes yeah, so I need to I need to find a new time in the day that's better you do <laughs> yeah um Bill um I think we'll bring it to a close there that's really helpful just to kind of you know run through your journey and really yeah really interesting and I, I just wondered is there anything that you you have the kind of attention of the EY network is there anything you'd like to to share with anyone that you think would be useful no I think only that maybe a lot of it is about your own leadership journey but think about how you can help others as well you know who else can you bring along it's not just about women it's about kind of people of color it's lgbtq plus it's kind of making those broader networks and that broader support and um and yeah just kind of and learning doesn't always come top down so some of the things i've learned most is actually from kind of most junior member of staff or someone new in post who hasn't been kind of molded by a way of thinking of doing things for a long period of time so you know don't just think about kind of mentoring upwards some of the most innovative companies actually have junior mentors that are mentoring their CEOs and senior members of staff so you know think a bit outside the box about kind of how how you want your journey to be and, and where you can learn from that's definitely true on the mentoring I, I get that feedback all the time from the mentors saying they've learned as much if not more than they feel that they've added value to the mentees and and they find the experience really rewarding so that, that definitely works well lovely to chat to you as always and i will see you very soon and you thanks so much rachel 